10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Live from Qatar, this is The Morning Break with Dorian Brown. Good morning, you beautiful morning breakers. How the devil are we today? Bring that urn to the boil, crack out those ginger nuts and join us in the virtual staff room for today's epic voyage. I am Dorian Brown. It is Friday the 11th of February and we are broadcasting live from the Teachers Talk Radio Yurt. This show today is brought to you by the letters T, T and D. That's right, it's the teaching delusion and I cannot wait. Let's talk this out. Live from Qatar, this is The Morning Break with Dorian Brown on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. It is Friday, people. It's the day that most of us have as our smart target for the week on a Monday morning. Perhaps one reason we like Friday so much comes from Norse mythology, where the day itself is derived from Frigg's day, Frigg being the wife of Odin, representing love and beauty. So I hope wherever you are at this moment in time, you are feeling that Friday love and looking forward to the beauty of that weekend. Talking of beauty, uh, let us take our weekly stroll into the hinterland of the English language as my imaginary co-host Susie Dent serves up our word which is always on point, always topical, uh, and it is for this week it is the word flenched, F-L-E-N-C-H-E-D from the 19th century, and it is said of weather or a situation that promises to improve but somehow never does. Now, I cannot say whether this word links or relates to British politics, uh, as speaking negatively or criticising what goes on has been outlawed in school buildings, and in case that extends to us here at Teachers Talk Radio, I'm saying nothing, except perhaps to echo those five immortal words uttered by Peter Cunner in the 90s. No sign of any flinching here, though, today, as we have an absolute banger of a show today and one that I have really been looking forward to. Um, I first reached out to my inspirational guest, Mr. Bruce Robertson, back in November 2021. Um, And at that time, he was about to undergo an inspection, but generously uh, then committed to coming on on for a chat in the new year once the, the dust had settled from that. So we will, yes, in fact, be talking about that inspection report Uh, And I'm sure many of you would have already heard about that in in the press. Bruce is the rector of Berwickshire High School in the Scottish Borders and author of the Teaching Delusion trilogy. I have been simply blown away with reading those uh, books because they do shine a, a, a real light on issues, challenges that we all have experienced in in teaching and leadership and they also on top of that also offer more a sort of concise uh, research informed consideration which is also quite quite nicely nestled in Bruce's own knowledge and, and, and real world experiences so you know when you read them there is such authentic, authenticity uh, in in his writing and um, we need look no further really than the formidable progress that he has made in his school 
uh, in the very short time that he has been at the helm uh, to, you know, underline and, and, and evidence the, the effect and, and the impact that uh, his, his, his musings uh, have had. Bruce should actually be no stranger to most listeners. So on, on top of his books, uh, he has been a busy bee, uh, sharing his thoughts, reflections and ideas um, very generously, actually, giving his time um, to talk to his peers at book clubs. Uh, he's appeared on, on numerous podcasts, such as uh, Darren Lens- Leslie's uh, Becoming Educated. Uh, he's also had a, a good yarn on Teachers Talk Radio last September with our phenomenal Kate Jones. Uh, and he's also a, a regular contributor to the TESS. Uh, and his last uh, contribution, in fact, dropped just, uh, just over a week ago, which focused on the importance of behaviour in facilitating effective learning. So this really is going to be a, a banger of a show today. I can feel it in my bones. It's a it's a staff room filler, if you will. But before I break out the volivons and pop the sparkling grape juice, perhaps we'll hear first from Steve Woods with his two-minute tech on Safer Internet Day, and then we're going to dive straight in on our return. So do not go anywhere. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, it's Safe Internet Week with the official day being on Tuesday the 8th of February. This year, the UK Safer Internet Centre is questioning whether gaming online is all fun and games. They ask young people to explore respect and relationships in online gaming. A lot of schools may be having drop down days and you may be expected to deliver an online safety lesson. This is great, but are you confident in your knowledge? There's nothing worse than having to teach a lesson out of your comfort zone, especially when you're discussing a topic where the learners may know more than the teacher. Saferinternet.org.uk, the brains behind Safer Internet Day, have come to the rescue with a series of films under the heading of virtual assemblies on their website. Starting with a story about in-app purchases getting out of hand for 3 to 7 year olds, and then for 7 to 11 and 11 to 18s having a discussion on online behaviour and respect. This resource is informative and will allow those of us that are less confident to play the film and facilitate a discussion. As always, if you're going to use an online resource, make sure you've watched it first to make sure it's appropriate for your pupils. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Live from Qatar, this is The Morning Break with Dorian Brown. And Bruce joins me in the studio now. Thank you so much, Bruce, for joining us on Teachers Talk Radio this morning. Thanks so much for inviting me on. Great to be here. Absolutely great. And uh, I always ask uh, guests just to give us a little bit of a uh, a story about their educational journey up to this point. So I wonder if you might uh, do, do that for us, please. Yeah, of course. Um, So my background is as a chemistry teacher. I started teaching chemistry in the south of Scotland in about 2003. Um, 2008, I was appointed principal teacher of teaching and learning, as it happens in the school in which I'm now the head teacher. Um, I was appointed deputy head teacher in Eyemouth High School in 2012. As it happens, Eyemouth High School is actually the school that I went to as a student. Um, But I was the deputy head there for uh, seven years leading teaching and learning improvement. I worked as a quality improvement officer, which was a seconded role for um, 
about six or seven months and then was appointed the head teacher um, of Berwickshire High School, which is in the Scottish Borders. Um, June 2020, I was appointed and I took up posting in August 2020. So I'm the head teacher of Berwickshire High School in the Scottish Borders. Also known as rector, isn't it? North of the border, as it were. Yeah, that's the, the rector. Title. Yes, <laughs> the, the historical title. Uh, the, the history of the school is very important to the community. There have been um, nine previous rectors. I'm, I'm the tenth rector of the school since it opened okay. um, 125 years ago. Wow, double figured. So you're in, you're into the double figures there. Um, interesting that you've been you sort of worked at the school. I actually did the same as well. Actually, my um, my first place, or my not my placement, the first position I had as soon as I qualified was actually in the school that I uh, went to myself as well and there were still a couple of old teachers there that had taught me knocking yeah. around lo looking a little bit petrified actually when I turned up through the doors as a teacher but there you go. <laughs> well it's a small world education so when I was the deputy head in Eyemouth um, I line managed um, a good number of staff who had been my teachers so you know when I was yeah. 14, 15 and then I became their boss so yeah strange. Yeah. Small world, the, the, the teaching yeah. world, yes. Well, that's fantastic. So um, could you then let us know then? So I, ha I had a question about sort of what, what made you um, choose uh, Berwick High, High School, Berwickshire High School? Yeah, Berwickshire High School. So um, mm. I, I'm, I'm, I'm born and brought up in that area, um, a mm. small coastal village called Coldingham in the south of Scotland. Um, so my roots are in that area. Um, I went to university in Edinburgh, which is about 50 miles north. And when I graduated, um, I wanted to move back into my, into my home area. Um, so I've never really moved uh, too far away. Um, I guess because I've got connections with family and friends in that area, the area feels special. Um, it's, it feels like a privilege to be the head teacher of a school, which is in um, the local community in, in the area where I was brought up. Fantastic part of the community and the the beating heart of that of the community, if you will. Um, uh, and so, it's you, you've been a rector there now for a year and a half, if, that, if I'm not mistaken, yes, nearly two exactly years. Yes, right. Yes. And obviously, that's been. Well, hopefully, we'll, we'll touch um, uh, on that uh, in 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 a, in a question or so. But firstly, um, obviously, it's quite a quite a, a a challenging role, I imagine, leading a school in itself. But at the same time, as well, around the same time, the last year and a half, you've also taken to writing a, a couple of books as well, just in your spare time. So, could you give us an idea right. about what um what really prompted you? I guess at this time, the question is coming from really. It sounds like you know when you when you're moving into a, a new headship, you know, you want to make sure that you know. Uh, you, you you're giving everything but at the same time as well you feel that you, you you've also got some uh, another avenue to, to to write your start writing your book as well so what was the what was the um what was the catalyst to, to writing the books in the first place yeah so I have three books um the teaching delusion teaching delusion two and imaginatively teaching delusion three so a trilogy of books the first of which I started to write in maybe late 2017 when I was deputy head in Imouth High School um, why did I start to write that? Well, we were doing um, some really exciting work actually as a school around teaching and learning improvement and the school won a, a national award for that, a professional learning award. Um, we, we were getting increasing numbers of, of schools asking to come and visit um, and I found that the sorts of things that I, I was talking to them about, well, I, I was I was repeating myself really, but, 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 but I recognized that others were interested in that work. So 
that's that's really what the catalyst was for that first book. Um, when I finished it and it was published, it was published, um, I think the start of 2020, um, I thought that probably I'd said all that I wanted to say. Um, and that was my, going to be my only book. And then I pretty quickly realized as I continued to read more myself and listen to others in podcasts, etc., um, I realized that actually, no, I, I probably did have more that I wanted to say. So I, mm. I intended to write a short companion book to the first one. Um, and then once I got going with that, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then one day I recognized that, that what I'd, I'd really written wasn't one book, but two. Um, because the Teaching Delusion 2, which is subtitled Teaching Strikes Back, that's very much a, the first part of that book has a, a real strong focus on curriculum. Then it touches on pedagogy in the middle via certain principles, and then it, it concludes with a real focus on leadership in schools. The third book, which emerged from it, which is subtitled Power Up Your Pedagogy, which I think is probably the one that we're going to focus on here. Mm, yes. That one is um, very much as it suggests in the title. It's 100% about pedagogy um, classroom practice. Um, in terms of taking on the headship, you know, the rector of Berwickshire High School, I, I had written a lot of those second and third books um, in the period leading up to my appointment. I was working in evenings and weekends, really working on those things. Um, when I took on the head teacher role, I did pause. Um, there were quite a few months went by where I really didn't touch them because as you suggested, it's a big job. Um, I took over in the middle of a pandemic and we had a lot of work to do as a school. Um, so I did pause and then I guess I got the bug again and found myself with a little bit more space, but it's evenings and weekends really when I do this work. Mm. But, but what I would always say is that the process of thinking about what I want to write, to start to articulate my thoughts in writing and then go back to those and refine them, that, that really does help me in my job because mm. the job ultimately of, as, of a head teacher is to lead teaching and learning. That, that is what the job is. So mm. um, the more I read myself and the more I write, I think, the better it makes me at my job. So there's a, there's a synergy between the two. Yeah, and that kind of deep thought and reflection as well, I think kind of encompasses all of that, doesn't it? Yeah, and I, that, that, that's great to hear. I, I think that, yeah, the, the writing obviously is something that you're very, uh, that you see is very important for the job, but also something that is very, um, is, is a hobby if you like you know so yes some people will play, will play golf or you may play golf as well but yes. uh, but it's something I that do. You, you do there yeah <laughs> so but it's something that you can do of an evening perhaps maybe when you know and, and I'm the same actually when it comes to, to not writing unfortunately but certainly the reading part um I do yeah. like to do that as a kind of sort of a, a wind down so I think a lot of people will um uh will feel that too um Definitely. When I when I first reached out out to you, um, uh, sort of back in November, it was I think it was through through Twitter there, uh, Bruce. Um, you'd agreed already to sort of come on the show, but you were you were slightly preoccupied with an, with a little inspection video uh, visit that was going on. Uh, could you let us know how that went? Yes. So um, when I took over the school, um, it had had an inspection about um, eighteen months before. That, that hadn't been a good visit by inspectors, um, that the report was pretty critical. Um, so we had a lot of work to do to turn the school around. 
Um, we weren't sure when the inspection team were going to come back um, and COVID definitely delayed that. Um, but absolutely, that was our, that was our focus um, in the first 12 to 15 months was, was, was one eye on this re-inspection. So inspectors came back to our school in November and it was a really, really positive process. Um, they were actually a pleasure to work with, the inspection team. Um, they were very fair, um, but they recognised an awful lot of positives in our school. We, we were delighted with what the report said. It's available mm. on our website. Um, but, but some key aspects of that, um, the calm, purposeful learning environment that we'd created across the school, which hadn't existed before. That was number one. Yes. Um, the significant improvement in teaching and learning in classrooms and the considerable investment in a high quality professional learning offer. Mm -hmm. um, these were the sorts of things that were highlighted in the report and which we were very, very pleased of, uh, pleased about. We were proud of um, because that's what we focused on, those three areas, really. That was going to be my question, actually. Were those things the things that when you sort of originally took the role, saw these as these these are the areas there these are where we need to focus all of our time and our efforts because these are the ones that are going to bring everything else up yeah Fantastic. right so um yeah in the original teaching delusion and then again in the teaching strikes back um i suggest a whole school improvement model which is termed pace hmm. um it's shown diagrammatically so the, the e stands for ethos and it underpins everything so we're, we're talking about, for example, um, standards of behavior across the school yes. and the relationships of, of, of staff with staff and staff with students and students with students, the, the ethos that underpins everything. So we absolutely had to focus on that to create this calm, purposeful learning environment. And in the middle of that model is the P and the C. So that's uh, the P's pedagogy and the C's curriculum. So the, the what and the how of, of teaching really. And then the A stands for attainment, or if you prefer achievement, but, but those other three parts then feed into that A. So to me, there's, there's only really four things that you need to be thinking about as a, as a school leader, the ethos, which underpins everything, the pedagogy and curriculum, and trust that a focus on those three will bring about the improvement to the one that we're ultimately aiming for, which is the, the attainment or the achievement. Absolutely. And, and like, like you said there, like you inferred everything else, comes up with it once you get all of those things right then the things that everything else once the behavior is there the routines are there the habits are there um yeah. you know all of those things come along with it as well and yeah and, and some people would say you know focus on leadership but i would always say well that, that's right but what does that actually mean what what are you leading mm. so this model is trying to give a focus to what your leadership should be on the, the ethos the pedagogy and the curriculum that's what we need to be leading Yes, you've got to construct the ship first before you can point it in the direction to right. <laughs> and steer right. it, right? And, and, and let me just kind of digress just very, very quickly on this fact as well, because I, I'm sort of looking at the, the, the school website as well. I'm not sure, I don't know what the website was like before or whether it's new or whatever, but certainly when I was kind of navigating around it, they, that, that kind of really did come through. Everything was, was, is presented there very clearly, very concisely. So it looks like that there's been a kind of a big kind of push on making sure that everything is very explicit and everything is very you know sort of jargon free um so that all right. stakeholders kind of seem to have the uh, get, get get a good idea a good sense of what good teaching is a good sense of what uh, of what a good ethos is is that something which has been intentional and and has been a recent change and 
attributed to the success? Yes, definitely a part of it. Yeah, thanks for highlighting it. Yeah, um, <laughs> the school website wasn't great um, when, when I took over. It, it was one of the first things that we did. And we commissioned a new school website. Um, when anybody like yourself uh, becomes interested in the school, anybody who we might be hoping to attract um, as a student or as a member of staff, that's where they're going to go to the website. So yes, we invested in a website that, that looks nice, number one, um, is functional, number two, so you can find what you're looking for. And yes, we are at pains to try and um, present the information in a way that people can really understand. So yes, there, there, there was a, a deliberate focus on that. And, and all of the things that, you know, just on the drop down menus, you know, don't want to go too, too long into the website, but, but obviously you've got the, you've got these things, the, the, the heads up newsletter, which goes out every week, you've got student mm -hmm. of the month, you've got your values very clear and concise, I think as well, you know, there's a danger in some schools where values and, and mission and visions and everything get a little bit too mm -hmm. complicated, but it's, it's just stripped down, really simple. Um, and uh, I also, I also liked on your, um, on the strategic overview, the, oh, sorry, uh, your job description, as it were, which you've got on there as rector, the very first bullet is the strategic overview of teaching and learning. Um, Absolutely. The first bullet yeah. of your remit, which kind of mirrors what you said at the very beginning. But that, I also find that quite, um, when I read it, I, I thought, oh, because normally a lot of schools or a number of schools that I've worked in have a have a deputy or an assistant head that are in charge mm -hmm. of teacher teaching and learning. So it, it was that on, obviously it was on purpose that that very bullet point was the very was the very first one. Um, could you kind of develop that a little bit for me as to what what, what the thinking is to, into into that being the very, very important for you? I think that's the, 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 the most important area. Um, in a school is that focus on teaching and learning. So I absolutely wanted that to be right at the top of my job remit, um, that strategic focus, absolutely. You're right that I have other staff, key staff, who, who are leading that work in a more operational way. And the strategic focus while sitting on my remit, that doesn't mean that nobody else is involved in the strategy. There's an awful lot of discussion which is going on within the senior leadership team and the extended leadership team, which involves um, our middle leaders. Mm. Um, but ultimately, I think it, it needs to sit on the head teacher's remit. And I think that, that to put that first, I think that sends a message. Mm. Um, one, of, one of the first appointments um, when I was head teacher, one of my first appointments was a principal teacher of pedagogy. So I created that position in the school. Um, this is somebody who has um, a non-teaching commitment for, for about four days. Um, and that person um, works um, in a coaching capacity with staff, does a lot of lesson observation and gets into coaching conversations with them, um, leads the professional learning agenda in the school. Um, really, a really, really important lead figure in our school is our principal teacher of pedagogy. Yeah, sounds it. And I love the idea. I have sort of a question a little bit later about about uh, sort of those positions and, and, and in terms of how much teaching they actually do. Um, but I think being in the classroom and, and observing lessons and coaching, et cetera, is as, is as good as, isn't it, essentially, because you are there and you are seeing the, uh, the fruit of the labours, if you like, coming through. Um, I wonder just uh, before we kind of uh, go, go off for a quick, quick break. Um, to what extent do you think that your previous experiences as um, it was deputy head 
uh, teaching and learning mm -hmm. for was it eight nine years I think you you said yeah. um, and also quality improvement officer to what extent did, did, did those experiences then I perhaps maybe shape that disposition that teaching and learning was was number one and and I'm saying I'm asking this in the way that imagine if it was perhaps maybe a, someone became rector who had had seven or eight years pastoral experience except mm -hmm. you know leading the pastoral aspect and maybe they might have a bit more of a kind of a, uh, a heightened put more of a heightened importance of, of of pastoral so do you feel that you your beliefs have been shaped by your your experiences as you've as you've gone through well definitely but there are some specific aspects which do have a transferable element to them um are a realization perhaps that leadership is all about getting the best out of people um, in the pursuit of a, of a clear goal. Mm. Um, you, you, you can read as much leadership theory as, as you like, and it's important that you do, but there, there's no substitute for the experience. Um, you recognize that everybody who you work with is different and the best way to get the best out of one person is not the best way to get the best out of another person. You can only really learn that through experience. Yes. Um, you make mistakes along the way and you remember them. You get things right along the way and you remember those two th that as well. And, and, and that, that just really does help to shape your leadership. Um, yeah, I, th I, think, I think it's, it's that experience that, that's, that's most important, regardless of what the specifics of your remit are. Because as I said, leadership's about getting the best out of people. So it's it's the working with people in that leadership role that's most important. Absolutely, and growing them, growing, growing those around you. Fantastic. All right, okay, so promise last question just before we go for a break. Has the phone stopped ringing uh, from other school leaders uh, to get the inside track on all these on these successes uh, that, you've, that, that you've had in the last uh, year and a half at BHS? So the success of our school is absolutely a team effort I'm the head teacher, but the success has really come about through the work of the team. That's that's really, really important to say. Um, we, 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 we've tried, we've really tried to build the reputation of our school locally and nationally um, because the reputation wasn't good through mm. the previous inspection. Mm. Um, it is fair to say that, yes, we have had quite a few schools uh, getting in touch, particularly on the back of the, the inspection report being published. Um, that although the inspection was in November, the report actually only came out about four or five weeks ago. And we got some national coverage through the, the BBC. Um, mm. Yeah, I've had a good number of schools get in touch. I've had phone calls with them, Zoom calls. They've asked to come and visit. They've asked for some of our staff to go and visit them. So, so that's been nice because, because we can learn from other schools um, when they get in touch with us. Um, and hopefully they can, they can learn something from us as well. And it's just also validation that, you know, everything, all the effort, like you said, the team effort of the school, everything that you've been working towards and looking to change, you know, it's that, <laughs> we go a bit over the top, it's that Michelle Pfeiffer kind of dead, <laughs> like bit of coming in and just, you know, making, making small uh, changes, getting everybody on board, getting buy-in and, and, and moving, you know, pointing the ship in the right direction and actually getting that kind of the, the, the reward, because I think that's what it is. And I think rightly so, you should kind of, you know, all, all be very pigeon-chested, I think, about, um, you know, the coverage that you've got in the, B the BBC and the, and, and the report um, that came out, because I, I did, in, in researching for this show, did read the 2019 report. And it is, you know, it's, it's, uh, 
they're polar opposites from each other to be fair in terms of the you know the language and 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 things in there so so i think uh berkshire high school and uh all of the yourself and your team and your teachers and the parent community uh mm -hmm. deserve the credit um absolutely for for, for those successes and and yes we are uh, in the next section going to hopefully dig into um some of the finer points of those successes so that we can maybe you know steal a few takeaways ourselves uh yeah, and put them into our schools and our teaching so uh, we'll be back in two minutes This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Introducing Uplearn. Uplearn is an online curriculum learning resource for A-levels that improves student outcomes whilst reducing teacher workloads. Teachers use Uplearn to facilitate independent learning and consolidation of classroom material. Over 150 schools have seen grade improvements with Uplearn, including St Paul's Girls School, Michaela Community School and ARC Schools. Book a demo at uplearn.co.uk and quote TTR for 10% off. That's Uplearn. U-P-L-E-A-R-N dot co dot U-K. Whatever learning looks like this year, bring lessons to life with Nearpod. An exciting new addition to the Renaissance family, Nearpod offers real-time insights into student understanding through interactive lessons and videos, gamification and activities, all in a single, easy-to-use platform. To help kickstart the new year, we're offering all primary and secondary schools in the UK and Ireland full free access to Nearpod for the whole spring term. So, no matter what 2022 brings, Nearpod makes switching between in-class and remote teaching simple. Visit www.renlearn.co.uk forward slash Nearpod and sign up for your free trial today. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers Live from Qatar this is The Breakfast Show with Dorian Brown on Teachers Talk Radio Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio follow the hashtag TT Radio Tune in Talk It Out with Teachers Talk Radio. 
Welcome back to Teachers Talk Radio. This is the Friday morning break. I am Dorian Brown and I am joined by the fantastic uh, Bruce Robertson. And we have just been talking about uh, the successes at Berwickshire High School that Bruce has uh, been uh, in, in, in charge of, has led. Uh, and for this next bit, we'd just like to kind of, you know, peel back the onion skin a little bit, if we will, and find out a little bit of the, you know, the underlying um uh, things that Bruce has, has put into put into place within his school and within his team in order to kind of ensure this in, ensure the success. And I was sort of reflecting in the break there about what Bruce said about that the experience. You know, you need the experience, and that made me think about how you know whatever we say today in the next in the next twenty minutes or so, it work it is worked for Bruce, but it might not work for someone else somewhere else as well um so you know you really do have to think about that kind of you know you've got to know your school you've got to know your community you've got to know your students etc um and and to and to an extent it is you know uh, it, it's best bets that we have to go with isn't it we've got to go with these best bets you know and 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 see see where we are from there um so one thing i think that would help that informing us as to whether we see what we're implementing actually is working now obviously in your case bruce um you came in implemented x y and z and now you've gotten that inspection report to look at and that and that that is excellent thumbs up right um the i think one of the the, the problems with why teaching is such a, a a difficult um thing to perfect is that the that feedback loop is that there's a huge delay in terms of what you tweak and then actually seeing whether it actually makes a difference um, so aside from inspection reports and examination results, what would you say are, pro are sort of effective indicators that changes that you're, 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 you're implementing are actually having um, the desired effect? So I think it's, it's really what people say. Um, and by people, I, I mainly mean teachers themselves and students. So when teachers are saying... Um, my, my practice is, has really improved. Uh, this has got so much better. I didn't know that before, or actually I'd been led to believe this, but now I recognize that it's, it should be this. Um, that's, a, that's a very important indicator. Um, if you're observing lessons and, and you see those changes yourself, talking to students, um, how, how, is, how is your learning going? Um, What's your, what's your experience like across the school? Um, when, when students start to talk in that positive way, um, in, our, in the lead up to our inspection visit, um, a good number of staff and students wanted to speak to the inspection team, but they weren't certain they were going to get the chance to. So somebody came up with an idea that anybody who was interested in doing that um, could be recorded. We'd, just, we'd do some interviews and then splice it together. Nice. And the number of staff and students who said exactly that, uh, and it was it was so um, rewarding to hear that, particularly from the students to say, look, the quality of the teaching in this school has just got so much better. And it's not because the school didn't have great staff before. It yeah. absolutely did. Um, this did come down to people being pointed in the wrong direction. And mm -hmm. they were working hard, but they weren't focusing on the right things. Um, so that wasn't their fault. Um, now they're focusing on the right things, and I hope actually working a, a little less hard, um, because we, we have to be careful not to burn ourselves out. Um, there's an analogy I use, it actually comes from my PT pedagogy in the second book about a woodcutter who's so busy chopping at the tree that mm. they take no time to stop and sharpen the axe, 
which would actually help them to chop the tree down better. Um, so what we've tried to do in the school is to help everybody just to take a step back, sharpen their axe, and, and now we're seeing the, the trees being chopped better. Lovely, yes, and a really lovely way of putting that as well. Because, and and I'm I am going to go back to the website again <laughs> because it's where I got a good bit of information that helped me uh, ask these questions. When you're looking at how you do your assessment and how you do your tracking and reporting, it's very clear to see that those things are also doing exactly reflect exactly what you've just said there the way that you're saying okay how can we how can we take things off of teachers plates to make the, to, to reduce workloads so that they can you know stop doing what's the quote stop doing good things so that they can do better things isn't it um and, and as i said you're the the, the you know the learning logs you know it takes a lot of the 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 workload off of teachers and puts them onto rightly so onto the students the learners themselves right they're recording and they are right. um accountable for, for for their own learning so it creates that 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 ethos doesn't it that you know yeah we're here for learning and 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 the focus is on the on the learners the learning logs are a good example i think because um there's a number of reasons why we've gone with that approach and, and i talk about that in teaching strikes back teaching collusion too um, one is that teachers spend huge amounts of time writing reports to parents, trying to craft something. But actually, if we're being honest with ourselves, it's incredibly difficult to write something which is really genuinely useful to parents. And to, to make it genuinely useful, you, you tend to have to write more and more and more. Mm. We thought that in terms of teacher time, this wasn't the most effective use. So let's strip that back. Now teachers can use that in a better way um, for professional learning, um, better lesson planning, and not for marking. Uh, we're quite clear that we're trying to reduce the marking burden as well. And a lot of what we think needs to be marked out with class time, it, it, it can be done in another way, often during class time. Mm. So we're trying to free up teachers so they can focus on things that will actually help make their teaching better to sharpen the axe, if you like. For parents, we thought it was more important rather than get an annual report um, with the, the, these extensive teacher comments that they got something much more regular and more formative so this is where there's a nice link to the improvements we've made to pedagogy because lessons will now start with a daily review and um, the week will end in each subject with a weekly review the month with a monthly review and our end of topic review now it's overkill to get students to record information from all of those reviews. Um, they probably don't need to be doing that for daily review, say. Mm -hmm. But when you get to monthly review and end of topic review, I absolutely do think that there is value in students making a record of how they got on. Now, that doesn't need to be a common approach across the entire school because subjects are different. So what's a useful record in music is not necessarily a useful record in physics. So in some subject areas, it might be a score, along with some reflective commentary. Um, in other subject areas, it, it, it might be something different. It's important that we teach students how to record something meaningful. So if along with, say, a score they've recorded, um, we want them to, to write something about their strengths and their next steps, well, we're trying to avoid, I did really well in that, I worked hard, um, next step, keep working hard, 
or yeah. I need to revise you. We're trying to, we're trying to avoid yes. that. And we need to teach them how to do that. Um, we need to model that. We need to give them examples and non-examples for it. Yeah, so it, it's that. Um, and increasingly, I think, our approach to learning logs is bearing fruit and people are, are recognizing the value in them. I think it's just from 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 you talking there it's just it means that the students are actively involved in thinking and in, in retrieval in 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 processing what they have learned and and as you said as they get as they move further through the year they know that they're continually going to be asked to 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 reflect and write these things so they so it makes the in the moment learning it makes it even the more so important for them doesn't it so it just makes an absolute ton of sense um and i'm sure all of our listeners in the studio will be thinking where's this where, where's the jobs for this school where's the job i certainly am <laughs> um it, it, it just 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 sounds great that we that you've got a rector you've got a head of school who's just so uh, switched on and, and and passionate about the important you know the, the, the teaching and learning and, and professional development front and center because i think there are many institutes in many many schools across, uh, across the world let's say that, that where that isn't um and and i think it's it's that it, 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 it's showing now i think because you've got you know you we are we are you are modeling where you are there you're modeling how if you do focus on you know teaching and learning and 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 making teachers better then you are going to have you're going to flourish you're going to you're going to thrive your students are going to thrive under those conditions um that's exactly so so just linked to that then and this is going to be a, a question which i'm which i don't know there isn't an answer to but i'm interesting to hear your thoughts um so we all hear um and and appreciate and 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 live the importance of pedagogy uh, curriculum culture cpd all of the things that we've mentioned so far all of those things the importance of them in driving school improvement um I may know the answer to this already, I guess, after from our conversation. But if I was to ask you which one aspect you would look at first to improve, so let's imagine listeners are, are at home, um, uh, could be could be school leaders um, or heads of department or something. What's what's the what's the one thing? Where's the starting point? Where's where's square one? So earlier we talked about the pace model, and mm. I, I think that's a very useful steer. Um, there's little point in improving the quality of your curriculum and pedagogy in the classroom if your ethos uh, isn't strong. So yes. if I would argue, uh, yeah, I, I argue this in, in Teaching Strikes Back, certainly. Um, if there's an issue with behavior, say, in your school, then, then focus on that first and foremost. That, that doesn't mean that you can't have one eye on a few other things as well, but but the principal focus has to be on having um, a calm, purposeful learning environment. In The Teaching Delusion, the first book, I argue that key to the success of any school is a shared understanding across teachers and school leaders about what makes great teaching. Um, yeah. I, I present that as a cog. And the other cog um, is a strong culture of professional learning. When those two cogs turn, we see continuous improvement of teaching and learning across the school. So the shared understanding and the culture of professional learning. In that first book, I argue, I discuss 
how we can bring that shared understanding about. And when we're talking about experience earlier, it's that sort of approach that I, I'd led in Eyemouth High School as the deputy head. Um, I'd worked actually, I didn't say this earlier, but I'd, I'd worked on a secondment in another school that I'd been asked to, to, to go and work in for a time limited period as the deputy head who were having problems with, with teaching and learning improvement. So I went into that school and we used a similar, not identical, but a similar mm -hmm. approach. And it was really around developing something called a, a lesson evaluation toolkit. It, it's something I discuss in the first book. Mm -hmm. It's really just a framework that maps out the key features of a typically high quality lesson, but it's put together by the staff in collaboration. It's informed by, by key messages um, from educational research and cognitive science. Mm -hmm. But once you've got that common framework that everybody in the school is using, teachers to help them plan and reflect on lessons, school yeah. leaders um, to, to help guide conversations with teachers to inform the focus of the professional learning program in the school. Once you put something like that together, number one, and then you start to use it you know, all the time, well, that is how you'll get this shared understanding. And then the cultural aspect comes around through things like professional reading groups, peer observation programs, um, a high quality workshop program. Put those two parts together, the shared understanding, the culture of professional learning, and then you will start to fly. And I've, I've seen it work in Eyemouth. I've seen it yeah. work in Hoyk High School, which is where I was talking about. Um, I've now seen it work um, in Berwickshire High School as the head teacher. It's, it's a strategy that I really don't know works. And it's and it's uh, thank you very much for answering it, it, it. It's it's that's huge as well um, because you know the, I guess the question was more what one little thing or what you know and and I guess in terms of you know if you want the outcomes that you're getting if if you want those outcomes there unfortunately it's not a little thing in some you need to make sure there's that macro um, like you say consistency across the board right you need need that complete um, package of of all these little cogs all together if you like all, all, all working together to actually kind of to, to get the yeah, out to, to but, but but there must be as i said there must be a way like let's say you you you're like you, you go into a school and like the example that you said um and there was problems what where what's the first thing that you start with like it's so all the ideas that you just said were, were great but do you just you don't just kind of clear the slate and say right now we're going to oh. do this 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 how do you how do you make that organic Right. Yeah, that's a good point. And nothing's just going to change instantaneously. Mm. I think you need to set a clear direction. Um, when earlier I said that leadership's about getting the best out of people, but in the pursuit of a clear goal, that's what mm. you need to do. Set the clear direction. And for me, it's always about the continuous improvement of teaching and learning. Um, I argue that experience and expertise are not the same thing. And actually, it doesn't really matter how experienced you are or how expert you are um, as a teacher. We can all, all of us get better and better at what we do. That's a really exciting thing. Um, it, getting better at our job, we tend to enjoy our jobs more. Um, there are very few teachers who don't get fired up and excited by high quality professional development. Um, it's just about finding the right thing for the right teacher. And that's why having so many different approaches to professional development is important in a school. It's why um, a culture of trust is key. Um, professional autonomy as well. Um, for some, um, they will really appreciate uh, a more structured, a more uh, directional approach. Mm. For others, it's the complete opposite. 
they would rather be left to, to explore themselves, uh, maybe touching base with the certain key individuals at, at key points. So it's yeah. definitely not about one size fits all, but to come back to what you asked me, it's about that clear direction. And for me, it's always the, the continuous improvement of, of teaching and learning. Love it. And hence why CPD has been just so uh, visible and, and, and so importantly um, kind of highlighted in, in, in blogs and books and, and, and chapters of books like yourself as well um, in more recent times, because that does seem to, it does seem to, you know, all of the, the reports that have come out of um, the Education Endow Endowment Foundation um, are all pointing towards just the importance of high quality um, professional development. Um, this is just so absolutely fascinating and mind-blowing, Bruce. We are kind of uh, go coming near the end of the show, but we've got um, time, I think, to discuss uh, uh, the teaching delusion three um, and some of the elements of it. So we're just going to go to the news um, with Gail, uh, and we'll be back in two minutes to talk more about the power-up prompts. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. In England, the Education Secretary, Nadeem Sahawi, is urging head teachers to take up the government's flagship tutoring programme, after a senior MP suggested that the contract with Randstad should be broken. In a letter to head teachers, Mr. Zahawi wrote, I would strongly urge you to take up this range of national tutoring programme support and maximise the opportunities available to you to support those pupils that need the most additional help. We are constantly improving our systems and have recently made amends to the sign up process to reduce the admin required for schools. Robert Halfon, Chair of the Commons Education Select Committee, said that nearly £5 billion had been spent on education catch-up by the government, but he feared this funding is not reaching the most vulnerable children in our communities. In Sudan, the first ever multi-year resilience programme has been rolled out by Education Cannot Wait. The programme is being delivered in partnership with Save the Children and UNICEF and has announced a 17.7 million US dollars in catalytic seed funding and hopes to catalyse an additional 60 million. Yasmin Sheriff, Director of Education Cannot Wait said, Conflict, COVID-19, climate change and deepening economic crisis are derailing efforts to build peace, unity and sustainable development in Sudan. Without an education, girls and boys face increased risk of child marriage, early pregnancy, exploitation, abuse, recruitment into armed groups and child labour. Our investment in education is an investment in the future of Sudan. It's an investment in ending poverty and hunger. It's an investment in peace. The multi-year programme 
addresses the most pressing chronic and emergent humanitarian and development educational needs in the country. The overall goal of the programme is to sustainably improve learning outcomes, availability of opportunities and overall well-being for crisis-affected children in Sudan by introducing a whole-of-child approach to education. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glynn. Live from Qatar, this is The Morning Break with Dorian Brown. Thank you very much for the news there, Gail. You are tuned in to Teachers Talk Radio. It is the Friday morning break with me, Dorian Brown, and Bruce Robertson. Absolutely mind-blowing, fantastic, inspirational conversations we've been having so far. We were just saying off mic there how we could literally talk for hours, but unfortunately, we've only got 10 minutes left. So uh, uh, onwards we go. Uh, the the title of this, um, of this show um, was originally... Um, borrowed from from the book itself that we are going to be talking about the the teaching delusion three power up your pedagogy um but it kind of morphed a little bit into powering up your people because i think <laughs> i think if you if you power up your pedagogy then you are powering up powering up your people and i kind of wanted to take a little bit more of a a kind of a leadership um uh line with it because i felt that it was um well it was right to do so you know in in, in light of the uh of uh, the the inspection report of of bhs um so let's let's drill down a little bit uh, with our time remaining if 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 i may with you bruce with some of the elements of um of teaching which you identify in uh, te the teaching delusion three um so you outlined 12 in total so 12 um would you call them tools um or techniques um elements sorry 12 elements um and along with them they there are these uh, power up prompts um which encourage um individuals or or, or, or pairs or whatever to, to to reflect and then you also mm -hmm. suggest some evidence-informed trusted techniques um which right. can be um which can which can uh, supplement facilitate give ideas in terms of how to do what you're already doing even better um, so how did you arrive at 12? And perhaps maybe you might want to also fill in, maybe if uh, there's some inaccuracies of what I've just said there, um, give, give us an overview of what, of what these 12 elements are um, and, and, and why you settled on 12. I think it was fairly accurate and the way you presented that. Oh, right. Thanks, okay, right. thanks. <laughs> yes. So I think in the first book, I argue it's not particularly helpful to talk about teaching and learning as a thing because it, we need to be more specific than that. So teaching and learning is really about the what and the how. So the what is curriculum and the how is pedagogy. So we, we, we've drilled down a little bit, but then to think about pedagogy, that's probably not helpful enough in itself. We have to break that down into some aspects or elements, as I frame them, which are more specific, thematic organizers, if you like. So um, the, the 12 elements are really, the, the, the 12 aspects of pedagogy that I thought it would be helpful for teachers and school leaders to reflect on um, when they're getting into conversations about planning um, or how lessons have been taught. 
So element one, daily review. Element two, learning intentions. Three, success criteria. Four, prior knowledge. Five, presenting content. Six, practice. I'll not go through them all. <laughs> I was going to say, you've you done that before. <laughs> <laughs> you get the idea. Um, so then there's discussion within the element about key messages from educational research and cognitive science. At, at points, um, after a few paragraphs or so, there's a power-up prompt which is really a statement designed to capture the essence of what's just gone before um, and get you to reflect on that. So it's a pause for reflection um, and a guiding principle, if you like. Mm -hmm. Now, as I was writing the book, I considered different terminology for those. At one point, I was going to call them coaching cues because I thought they would be, they would be good ways in for, mm. for, for school leaders, for example, and teachers to get into conversations with other teachers, so a coaching cue. But when the title came to me of, of Power Up Your Pedagogy, then I thought, no, these are, these are better framed as Power Up Prompts. Yes. So it's a prompt to get you to power up. Yeah. And the, the, other, the, other, the other feature, um, as, you, as you said, is the, is the trusted techniques. So this is a specific practice, some of which will be familiar to readers from the work of others, um, cold call, for example, pause, pause, pounce, pounce, um, and, and, and some of which are new, um, but they are specific things that you as a teacher can deliberately practice to power up your pedagogy. So that, that's what it is. Yeah, I think nice. probably that's Fantastic. And, and, and the fact that there's 12 is just kind of, it, I, I, what jumped into my mind there was, um, that the terminology I've heard recently in terms of CPD was the active ingredient. So perhaps maybe these are the, those 12, these 12 things, the things that, you know, if we really do focus on powering them up, then everything else um, uh, comes up along with it. It's the, the Pygmalion effect as it were. Right. Um, and uh, so let's, let's take, uh, whilst we've got some, a uh, bit of time remaining, let's, let's take a bit of a deeper dive on, uh, on, on one in particular. Now, um, I, saw, I had a couple in mind, but I wonder if there's one in particular that you'd like to, yeah, I'm not going to ask you for your favourite. It's not always, it's not always uh, good to ask for one's favourite, is it? Um, but what's one in particular, which I don't know, maybe at Berwickshire High School, uh, you have, um, I don't know, seen the most impact of focusing on hmm. um well, well the one that we've probably seen the most impact of um, and it's definitely reflected in the inspection report is that presentation of content um mm. what what inspectors recognized was number one uh there was a much clearer structure to lessons and a much clearer focus on learning so the lesson evaluation toolkit that i referred to earlier that structural framework that we built together and which staff use to help them plan lessons and reflect on lessons and get into conversations about lessons. That lesson evaluation toolkit had really helped to bring um, something of a consistent structure, but a focus on learning um, to lessons. So that was, that was recognized in the report. So too then, because this is what we've, there, there are specific aspects of pedagogy that as a school, we've really drilled down on and that's gone in tandem with teachers having the autonomy to work on a different aspect themselves. So you're, you're trying to strike this tight, loose balance where as a school, together as a community, we're focusing on this, but staff also have some autonomy to be working on something that they decide themselves as well. 
So one of the things that we focused on is, is how we present to students. So it's that presenting content chapter in the book. Um, mm. That's quite a, quite a lengthy chapter, actually. It goes into such things as cognitive load theory. Um, and in the inspection report, that's recognised. What the inspection report highlights as an area where the school needs to continue to develop, and there was recognition in conversation um, that actually for most schools, this is what needs to develop. It's questioning. Mm. Because in, in the Teaching Delusion series, I talk about the importance of direct interactive instruction. Yes. Um, and I a lot of people will talk about direct instruction. That's helpful. Um, I've added this interactive to it just to, to get across the importance of us well, doing mm. that and asking questions to make students think, to get them to recall, uh, to make their learning visible, etc. So we know that as a school, that's probably where we're going to be going next. But I do think it's one of the most challenging aspects of teaching to really get right. So there's a chapter, um, element eight, in Power Up Your Pedagogy, which is dedicated to questioning. That's it, maybe one of my favorites. Yes. And, and I think it's, it's, it's I mean, it, it, questioning itself has has gotten a lot of hard research behind it hasn't it in the way that you know that is we can never know exactly what students are thinking but you know all the, all the time or any of the time if you like and so so we we must check you know we have we have to check for another how do we check well yeah. we have to we have to develop a, a you know I've read you know you need you know a good lesson has 30 40 questions in it you know not to put a, a number on it because it, it will vary you know from subject to subject and and less lesson length to lesson length whatever but if you're not continually kind of trying to read or trying to get some feedback if you like whether what you are saying what you are delivering is landing then you're wasting you you're wasting your time right so so to question him rightly so and uh, you know cold call it you know you've mentioned sort of Lamov's sort of cold calling technique and and the number of different variations and and ways in which you can do it and there's 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 research published about how you know people can feel uncomfortable being cold called but then there's counter ways of how, it's how you present it so it's it's a it's a behemoth isn't it of a of, of a of a of a power up uh, of an element sorry um which um yes. yeah we'll we'll never we'll never kind of we'll never get to the the the, the, the the answer, um, but having those conversations, having those reflections, having the discussions, you know, sharing with someone in a different department or in the same department, something that went well, something that didn't go, all of those sorts of things can 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 only be good for for, for furthering That's it. 100 percent So yeah. yeah, in Berwickshire High on a Tuesday and a Thursday lunchtime, our principal teacher of pedagogy runs um workshops for staff, which sometimes yeah. involve presentations and some discussion but other times will just involve a key question which staff they come along they bring lunch they they bring coffee it's voluntary mm. we typically get about a third of the school going along in a week um yesterday i i went along and it was a key question and, and it was what makes a good question and it was just priming discussion um as part of it there was a short video clip um it's tom sherrington talking about questioning, and that was excellent to, to get some discussion going. Everybody in the school has a copy of Power Up Your Pedagogy um, because the, the, the elements that we were talking about, they link pretty closely to the lesson evaluation toolkit that we've developed as a school. So regardless of the area, the element that you've decided to focus on as a teacher, 
you know that you can go to this book, certainly. And as you were saying, you can start to read about it. You can start to reflect on it. But there, there are no absolutes, exactly as you were saying, Dorian. And that's what came out of the discussion yesterday. Um, there was a lot of, oh, but what about this? And what about that? I'm not sure if. But it's that process of discussing it and thinking it that, about it that, that really ends up having the, the most impact in the classroom. I think where we go wrong is when we think um, this is right and this is wrong. We must mm. always do this and we must never do that. But that's 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 the wrong way to go. And that's why your books with the, the with that kind of coaching element helps because they never tell you this is how to do it. They mm -hmm. urge you to to reflect and consider. Okay, what you're doing may be good, but this is perhaps maybe how it can be better, right? Um, or right. even even better in certain circumstances. Even even, even better than it is already. I think that's yeah. important. Yeah, even nice. better than it is yeah. And how does that tie in then? Um, sort of looking at your interactive professional learning toolkit, because I noticed that the, the it, mm -hmm. you've you've got this um, uh, toolkit, which uh, I assume every staff member uses. Uh, as part of their professional development and there are like you said references to the the power-up prompts within with it within the book um mm -hmm. could, could you could you let our listeners kind of give an idea about how you have gone about i guess um designing your 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 professional development through these um mm -hmm. uh, learning uh, learning toolkits professional learning toolkits yeah so we're talking about two different toolkits here to be clear ah, um we're okay. talking about the lesson evaluation toolkit that's what we've referred to um, most of the way through through this discussion, which right. is that framework that will highlight elements of pedagogy, say daily review, learning intention, success criteria, and then give some bullet points that that are uh, useful for reflection when you're planning and when you're reflecting on lessons. That's the lesson evaluation toolkit. Yes. But then yes. recently, recently what we've developed and we've shared this on Twitter is our professional learning toolkit. And that takes those same elements, daily review, learning intention, success criteria, but it offers useful resources that staff can access to help them improve those areas. So it will direct them to professional reading. And it won't just say this book, it will say this book, these pages, or this blog, uh, this podcast, this YouTube video. And then importantly, I think these teachers, so we highlight um, for each element, a member of staff, a teacher in the school, and all of our teachers are included. And because all of our teachers are very skilled, uh, but, but some are particularly skilled in particular elements of pedagogy. So I'm a teacher and I want to focus on use of success criteria C. I can use this professional learning toolkit um, to, to go off and do some reading and it will direct me to high quality reading or listen to a podcast or, or go and observe one or two of these teachers or maybe invite those teachers in to observe me and give me some feedback or get into some collaborative planning around those things. So, so that's what it's about and it's, it's very, very powerful. Fantastic. And, and, and one of the, the, the questions that kind of come from that is that to what extent do you... It, I'm sure that you have done it correctly because you're getting the, the, the results that you are, but um, professional development is, it can be a lot about buy-in, can't it? And, and, and you referred earlier about, you know, different people, the different 
professional development things works for different people uh, and different people are at different stages of the career and they have different things that they want to focus on um so so what have you done to kind of engender that kind of or to um or to make professional learning and 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 reading and um and and kaizen if you like um central to every every staff member in, in the school well you're not dragging people kicking and screaming that's number one because that's going to get you nowhere yeah. um, we've invested in a high quality professional learning library uh, very well stocked the school didn't have anything like that before we've invested in that that's a really important signal to staff that we care about your professional development you don't have to go off and buy your own books we're investing in those for you we've set up a whole school professional reading group um, which about 15 members of staff come to uh, once a fortnight they have a core text um, they meet um, every second wednesday four till five and they discuss a chapter so keep it quite tight from that there's actually a second informal group meets in the evenings uh, at home on Teams or Zoom, and I think perhaps has a they have a cup of coffee or a glass of wine with them. Ah, but this nice. is a good example of how you're hitting different people in different ways because it doesn't suit everybody to stick around from four till five. Some people yeah. have reasons why they need to get home. So so that the workshop program that we talked about lunch times. Well, um, we offer it on a couple of different days, a Thursday and a Tuesday, because maybe the Thursday just doesn't work for everybody. Maybe they're doing study classes that day. Maybe they're part-time and they don't work that day. So we offer them on, on a couple of different days. Nobody has to come along. People are just encouraged to. Mm -hmm. We have a weekly staff meeting on a Friday morning, information sharing just for five or 10 minutes. But the, the, the focus of what those workshops will be on the Tuesday and the Thursday lunchtime, well, we share that. And we remind people, remember, these are on and, and there's, there's coffee available. Mm -hmm. um, and then the person who leads those our principal teacher of pedagogy, he types up a summary of the discussions and he emails that out to everybody. So some people couldn't come along, but they're very interested in what was being discussed. So they've got that summary and that just initiates conversation um, in different parts of the school. I've not, I've not highlighted everything, but those are probably um, yeah. some good examples. Good starting how points, you're trying yeah. To... Exactly. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think that's uh, probably revisit what you said earlier in the way that this is um these things are put on as a result of you having taken things off of the plate in other areas right because mm -hmm. because that's not often a big pushback about cpd it's like well i can't do an hour here or an hour there so having that kind of smorgasbord of of, of possibility Definitely. perhaps for people to do and, and 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 be flexible about rather than have everybody all in the hall on a monday after Absolutely. school for an hour and a half being being talked at you know so that 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 certainly does kind of nurture that 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 desire perhaps maybe to to, yes. to improve and I, and I like the the way and I'm sure this isn't it, it was originally used it was the, it was the I think it was called the train carriage analogy where it's where it was in, originally for innovation in technology or something you had three train carts um and, and in the, the the first cart you've got all of the innovators the people that are doing the thing they they're, they're the ones pushing the boundaries and they're the knowledge they know everything the ones in the third cart at the end are the ones sort of drag them hit their heels and they're not really interested we've always done it this way there's no point in changing and then you've got the middle cart which who've got the, the will they want to be in cart one but not necessarily have got the way um and as a leader where you focus your time it's fun in 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 cart one like you said in cart three um you're not going to get anywhere dragging people kicking and screaming so if you focus your energies on cart cart two <laughs> and getting them into 
car at one by by being that bridge yeah. um then you do get some kind of people in 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 car at three looking at the hubbub and going oh what's what's, what's going on there well, that's so, exactly right yeah that's right and a colleague of theirs say in car two who they get on really well with starts to talk to them about something that they were a, a bit skeptical yes. about but they're like yes. okay well, i might come along and they do and then they enjoy it and they get something from it so it's building mm. that and not being afraid to take your time with it um that's that's important Yes, the, the job is incredibly important, but that's where that model pace, again, can be useful because yes. that yes. word in itself, let, let's get the pace right. Yes. That was always uh, adorned the, uh, the the lesson feedback forms, didn't it? Pace, pace right. and differentiation. Yes, but that's another couple of shows uh, right there, isn't it? Um, Bruce, you've been so generous with your time with us today. Um, we, we, we've gone off kind of on a couple of t- a tangents into hinterland and I've really enjoyed our discussion. It's been, it's been absolutely phenomenal. And I, I hope the listeners at home are, are, are able to kind of take from this and, and, and really kind of start those conversations in their own staff rooms and with, with their own leadership teams and everything. Um, I, I, I'll put all of the sort of links that we've talked about in, in the show notes at the end. So if anybody would like to kind of follow up on looking at the Teaching Delusion 1, 2 or 3 um, uh, or the Berkshire, web, Berkshire High website, I'll put that up on there and everything as well so we can we'll follow up. Um, you're on Twitter as well, Bruce. I know you're very, this is how we, this, this happened um, by me just reaching out. Yes. And I know you're, you're extremely generous with your time. You, you've appeared on a, a number of podcasts and, and book clubs and stuff. And I think that's just testament to, to to how you know passionate and 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 uh and 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 enthusiastic you are and and how much you believe in 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 what in what and what you're saying and what you're doing so um i'd like to thank you so much for coming on the show um and uh hopefully you know when we have teaching delusion for no that's not going to happen is it no that 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 spoils the trilogy that way but um, i'm sure um i'm hoping maybe in the future we could perhaps maybe dig a little bit deeper into into some of these maybe in a forthcoming episode perhaps but uh thank you very much thank you very much for your time bruce take care everybody and we'll see you next week you've been listening to teachers talk radio tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org we look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.